When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, Buckeye Nation, to Land Grant Holy Land's Instant Recap Podcast. It is 11.30 p.m., and uh, me and Chris are here to talk about Akron. Um, we have a lot of good things to say. Please don't ask us how we feel about talking about Akron at 11.30 p.m. This could have been a noon kickoff, but, you know, whatever. Uh, Buckeyes win. There's a lot of good things to talk about. A lot of young players got in. Um, so let's get started. Chris, uh, as always, uh, one you know, thank you for being here at 1130. But what are your initial thoughts? How do you feel about the win? Well, I want to preface everything I'm going to say tonight with it was Akron. So yes, we have to put please. those goggles on. They are, like we said on the Buck Off show, uh, they are the 126th ranked team for a reason. But there were a lot of positives in Ohio State's win today that you could take. And I think this is like the type of game you wish you had first in the season. But I'm kind of yeah. glad we had it fourth because we got to see all the problems Ohio State had against real competition. You got to address them last week against Tulsa, and then you got to build on them this week. Uh, before the game, the availability report came out, or the, I guess the unavailability report. A lot of older guys out. Uh, I know it's probably yeah. mostly precautionary due to just it being Akron and then you having uh, conference play starting next week. But the young guys showed out. I think once again, two weeks in a row, the young guys are the story. I think there are some great plays. I think the new schemes they're starting to get more comfortable in, and you're starting to see an energy and an effort on both sides of the ball that you haven't seen. Uh, on the other side of the ball, because I know that's what everyone wants to hear us talk about, Kyle McCord, great game. We got to give him a ton of credit. I think he settled in. He started off a little rough, but, I mean, he started delivering some strikes, and – we liked what we saw. And then Jack Miller came in, brought some energy to the field is what Ryan day said. And I think that's true. I think he went five for eight for like 60 yards, but he was in the mop up duty role. So he didn't really get a throw much overall. I think I, I, the takeaway is I think I'm more confident now that the quarterbacks are good. Uh, will any of them end up being great by the end of the year? I'm not sure. I can't say that yet because uh, we'll, we still have a lot to learn about them all. 
No, I, I agree 100%. I think, again, it was accurate. But let's be honest, right? After the first three games, like, I mean, I don't I don't gamble. And I, I, I don't really understand a whole lot of sports betting. And, like, the I just can't wrap my head around, like, what the lines mean. And so, like, if I want this to happen, where do I bet? But everyone who knows sports gambling, everyone was saying, don't bet Ohio State to cover it. They covered. They won by 52 points. Um, it's what you expect from Ohio State, but you don't expect that from this Ohio State team. So it's like, yeah, if this was last year, two years ago, or three years ago, you say Ohio State beats Akron 59-7, and it's like, okay, and? But, like, this year with the way that they've been playing, all that kind of stuff, like, this is encouraging um, because you want to see this Ohio State team dominate that's why we were so mad about Tulsa because they didn't dominate so I think I think if we're going to be super critical which we have been we can't just shrug this off and you know act like it's not a step in the right direction even though again it is accurate so before we get really deep into the game and we actually surprisingly have a lot to talk about so this is going to be not as dreadful a show as we thought it was going to be being accurate Let's talk about the big news just very quickly. Kayvon Pope tries to go into the game, gets waved off, walks off the field, gets escorted off, comes back, gets escorted off the field, and then tweets F Ohio State at halftime. Deletes the tweet, but Twitter is faster. Uh, so there's a million screenshots of it. Everyone's talking about it, even to the point that the ESPN, well, the Big Ten Network broadcast was talking about it mid-game. We've never seen anything like this at Ohio State. So what are your thoughts on it? Do you think it matters? Like, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff, people everywhere. Like, there are people who feel bad for him. There are people who are like, you can't do that. There are people who are, like, mad at him and, like, you know, not really forgiving the fact that he's, you know, a kid. There are people – I mean, I mean, there's a million opinions in every direction. There are people who are like, he should be playing. Uh, the linebackers in front of him suck. So just to put it on the record, because a big thing before we get into the game, what are your thoughts on the situation? What do you think – how do you think it's resolved? And how do you feel just about Kayvon Pope in general? Yeah, I mean, it is a tough situation because – uh, when you're in a locker room and you do legitimately think you're better than guys, it is frustrating to get waved off the field. But the coaching staff has made it pretty clear throughout the season that practice habits have played a big integral part in getting playing time. So there's probably something on that side of it. Uh, you know, Kayvon Pope himself, I think, I, I think a lot of people have had emotional moments in their life, so I don't want to knock them too hard. But the unfortunate aspect about it is he's an Ohio State player. He's going to be in the public eye. He's moved this into the court of public opinion by doing it during the game. Uh, so people are going to be able to say whatever they want, which is unfortunate because we know how some of this fan base acts towards people who even slightly slight the fan base. You know, I think the tweet was out of emotion. I don't want to hammer the kid. I mean, I tweeted before. I was like, this the season of Ohio State's been like Friday Night Lights, the TV show, like, it has been nonstop drama, unnecessary drama. I mean, Ohio State was like bullying Akron like we predicted. And then midway through the second quarter, Austin Ward from Letterman Row tweets out, yeah, I think Kayvon Pope just quit during the game. And then he provided the context. And I'm like, well, I, I was right. This is just like that show. Uh, but I, I, I don't think people should hound on the kid. I, I think our editor, Matt, made some good points like, he saw his dream was to play at Ohio State. His dream was to play D1 football. It's all crashing down in front of him. Uh, so I don't want to hammer him any more than 
everyone else is going to. But I, I get it. I think you can't tweet that. You have to handle these types of matters in private, and I think he's old enough to know that. Uh, so, I mean, he'll be happy at Rutgers. He'll be happy there. I don't think he's going to be back on the team come Monday. I think he'll be in the transfer portal probably by tomorrow. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I have a couple opinions on this. My main opinion is this. Like, I want to talk firstly just about the, the sports aspect of it, right? A lot of people are saying, like, he, like a lot of people think that he's better than the people who are playing. Um, and that's fine to think that, although I'm not sure we have proof. I think you touched on a good point with practice. And I, I tweeted this. Like, I'm not going to pretend that the coaching staff is amazing. I'm not going to pretend that they're always right because they can make mistakes. They're humans. They make mistakes. But they're with these players all the time. Kayvon Pope, Taraja Mitchell, uh, Dallas Garrett, all those players, right, they came in with very high recruiting rankings. Ohio State fans hate me and you, dis- dis- we disagree a little bit with the fan base, but they hated Pete Warner. Um, they hated Tough Borland. They didn't like the linebackers in front of them. And at the end of the day, Kayvon Pope, Trajan Mitchell, Dallas Gant couldn't beat them out. Then the young they leave, the young guys come in. Out of the three of them, the only one who earns playing time, and I think he's a caption, captain, is Trajan Mitchell. They waited all this time. They didn't transfer. It was supposed to be their show. And they both get beat out by young guys. One who didn't have a tackle and 53 snaps. So I'm just saying that when it comes to getting on the field, it has to be something we don't know. Whether it's practice, whether it's film study, whether it's grades, whether it's, you know, attitude, whatever it is. This is their seniors. And we all know because we talk about Urban Meyer for it. Ohio State, like most programs, tends to play the older guys no matter what. So if they're not playing the older guys and and to play young guys who are going to make mistakes, it has to be something there. So on the field, I understand his frustration, but I'm not like – going to be mad like there are people like you know it's almost like the Quinn Ewers thing it's like you fall in love with the player you don't like what you see and you assume that he's immediately better even though he hasn't shown yeah so on the field you know it is what it is it happens and the thing that I think I tweeted it or maybe I put it in our slack the thing is it's like hey he made the he made the decision to to stay Jameson Williamson Jameson Williams 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 he realized he wasn't going to get on the field at Ohio State. He was always a good wide receiver, but I think we talked about it on one of the other podcasts. They have Brian Hartline as a coach. Brian Hartline doesn't want a fast wide receiver who can only run one route. He wants to develop people for the pros. You have to be able to block. You have to be able to run an entire route tree. Every wide receiver who plays at Ohio State can run the full route tree. Jamison Williams never could. So he transfers, and it was the best freaking decision yeah, of his he life. He two kicks he had, tonight for touchdowns. Like he, like he had two tu- – he has three total touchdowns and one in, against for Alabama, and I think he has four or five touchdowns on the season in four games. It wasn't working at Ohio State. He made the best decision of his life, and unfortunately, maybe Kayvon – I mean, Dallas Gant did, and Kayvon Pope seems next. Maybe they should have transferred a little bit earlier. It could have worked for them. Uh, I can't remember the name of the safety. He surprised me, but he transferred to Rutgers and he's starting for Rutgers. So it's like, you you remember what player I'm talking about? It was Brendan White. Yeah, I think he's done. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, I think he's done. I think he finished school. Oh, well, you know, so it's like, it's unfortunate that, you know, 
it's unfortunate that it happened this way in the middle of the season, in the middle of the game. But, you know, there's got to be a reason that he's not playing. As far as the personal, though, and saying all that, I understand his frustration. I'm not going to kill him for a tweet. You know what I mean? It, it, it could yeah, be a lot he, worse. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's a 21-year-old, 22-year-old kid at the end of the day. like he's And he's frustrated. He's frustrated. Uh, he, he's going to find a new home. He's talented. He's made some plays for Ohio State. It just wasn't working out, and yeah. his frustration's blown over, and it just sucks. He's probably – It just sucks because he's – it was in front of everybody. It was in front of 95,000 yeah. people. Exactly, and there are people who are not going to be as level-headed as us, especially a lot of people in the Ohio State fan base and maybe some of the people listening to this. But I think he's red-shirted, and he has the extra COVID year, and if he hasn't red-shirted – they can consider it a red shirt this year because he hasn't played in four games or whatever it is. So he probably has two more years of, of eligibility, I would imagine. And so I, I hope, you know, that he makes the best decisions for himself. I hope that other coaches and other places don't use this against him and that he gets out to have a long career and, you know, hopefully makes it to the NFL. You know, that's what everyone's dream is. I, I, I hold no hard feelings for him. Um, it's really, it's really unfortunate, and it's really unfortunate that it played this way. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say yeah, about I mean, it, unless you do. It's like if this you. happens at a Tuesday at practice, no one really hears about it. They just see Kayvon Bowman yeah. in the transfer portal, and that's a story. But it happened in right. front of all the fans, so we had to talk about it because people were going to ask us. So, that's our on-the-record opinion there. Yeah, it's on the record. I don't really have nothing else to say about it. Ultimately, I just wish him the best. Um, I hope he finds a place because I, I don't I don't know that you can come back from that. So I hope he finds a place where uh, he's he can start immediately. And he's very talented, so I'm sure there's a lot of places that would really want a player of his caliber. So um, we'll, we will see. So back back to the game. As we said, Ohio State wins fifty nine to seven. So just a quick quick recap. At halftime, it was thirty eight to seven. Uh, McCord was 11 for 15, 229 yards and two touchdowns. Henderson was eight carries for 93 yards. And there was four sacks, five tackles for a loss, two interceptions. So, I mean, it was a really good half. Um, we don't have to stick on it too much, but what was your what was your thoughts at half, if you remember? Um, how did you feel about the game, the team? Um, yeah, so after at that the moment, half, yeah. I was actually pretty ecstatic with how they played. I thought – you know, you saw the same jitters you'd been seeing from the team the first two or three series of the game, but then you saw the offense start really finding its footing. They relied on Travion Henderson a lot. I think, what, 11.5 yards per carry in the first half. Like, that's stupid. Two touchdowns. It was effortless for him. Uh, that, that let McCord settle in pretty effectively. And, you know, Ryan Day did an unbelievable job of getting after he saw McCord kind of make those three errant throws on that first drive. He did a really good job of letting him settle in. The offensive line did everything they could for the protection for most, for the most part, a couple sacks, but yeah. And I think the receivers helped him out. You know, I think they kind of understood the situation, understood what it needed to be done for them. And they took care of business. All, all of the starters, all the backups. I mean, it was a great first half. Uh, and then it let a bunch of other guys get in the game and that's what it should be about. And then defensively, I just think the effort and energy after that first series was there. And that's the most important thing. 
Yeah, and we talked about that. Like, regardless of what happens, we want to see effort. We want to see energy. And that's something we haven't seen. Uh, coaches said that there was their best we could practice. Players said that. But a lot of times, anytime anything bad happens, everyone says it's their best we could practice. And it is like, is it really? You know, they said, you know, Chris Olave said that the defense had their best we could practice last week. And then they went out and essentially laid an egg against Tulsa. Yeah except for those six, you know, those six series in the middle of the game. So it looked like it showed um, at halftime, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba didn't do anything in the second half. I'm not even sure if he played in the second half, but in the first half he had five catches, 93 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Wilson had four catches for 124 yards. Um, he didn't have a touchdown. I don't think he played much in the second half either. So, you know, Two of our three wide receivers have been balling out. I do want to ask you a question really quickly, just because we talked about it in the preview uh, to the season, and I said I'm pretty sure that Garrett Wilson's going to lead the league, the team, and touchdowns and receptions. Um, you were on Chris Olave. Totally makes sense. Um, Chris Olave only had two catches for 12 yards. A part of it's it's Akron. Yeah. It was honestly like I wouldn't have been surprised if he didn't play against Akron at all. But it doesn't seem – like, he's a focal point to the offense. I mean, last week he was held for without a catch for the first time in his entire career. This week it was two. One of them were really quick, got him a touchdown, got him out of there. I know you probably can't take too much from it being Akron, but four games in, do you think, you know, Chris Olave doesn't seem to be the focal point of the offense? How do you, like, what do you think's going on there? Yeah, I, I think Chris Olave will still find his place. I, I do think uh, ever since the Oregon game when he took that shot in the back, I think he's been a little bit different as a player. And then you could see it on that first series, uh, or not the first series, but the series Kyle McCord threw his first touchdown pass on. I'm going to put that in air quotes. Uh, he did uh, he did get hit in the back again. You could see him grimace and go to the sideline for a play. Then he came back in, got the easy touchdown. But I, I do think Garrett Wilson absolutely showed everything that makes NFL people think he's the better prospect right now. Uh, I think he's a more, uh, I don't want to say complete receiver. I think there are different types of receivers and they're complete in their own way, but his is more translatable for every quarterback. I think Alave is a lot of rhythmic stuff. And I think if he's injured, if he's not playing comfortably, it's not going to work as well. And then we've seen Jackson Smith and Jigba step up huge. I mean, he's taking a lot yeah. of targets and like, uh, I, I can't, I can't get mad at three superstar receivers. And then you even see, uh, Amike Buka with an 85 yard catch. You see these guys, it's it's unbelievable. So I, I think you I think catches and yards might go to Garrett Wilson. I still think Olave leads the team in touchdowns though. Yeah, no, that that's fair. Um I I I just wanted to hear your opinion on it. I don't have any issues with it. I think like you said, you know, it's a young quarterback. First of all, he has both quarterbacks in my opinion probably have a better rhythm with Jackson Smith and Jigma because just in general, when you're the young guy and you're not getting first team snaps, you throw to the same players. So uh, Jack Miller, CJ Stroud have 16 months of throwing to Jackson Smith and Jigma as their number one option where, you know, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, they've had eight months ish, you know, catching balls for, and they were catching balls from three different quarterbacks, but they're used to Justin Fields. I think that's some kind of thing that kind of works out. Um, Chris Olave, it would be different for me if it looked like he hasn't been open and stuff like that. I think the quarterbacks have missed him a little bit um, and different things like that. So it's not something I'm concerned about, but I just wanted to ask because 
you know, it, it was a big thing for him to come back. Everyone said he's one of the best wide receivers in the nation, and and he is. I, I still think he is. I still think he is probably one of the better ones. Not probably. He is one of the better ones, but it doesn't look to be translating so yeah. far. And I, but I think that's one. Of, it's just one of those things. Like you know, he's yeah. been open. It's not like an issue with that. It's just yeah. he miss. He gets missed sometimes, and that's it's gonna happen. It happens. Yeah, nothing, nothing to be concerned about. So, any Buckeyes that's listening to this, if you were concerned about Chris Olave, don't be concerned. Uh, he's still amazing. He's still good. I also think it's one of those things, like especially like you mentioned with the injury and stuff like that. He wants to come back. He wants to help his team, but he also has to protect his money. So, like, whereas as a freshman, he might fight through some of those injuries. As a senior looking to go to a league, he's probably taking it a little easy on his body, uh, especially again against teams like Akron and stuff like that. I think. You know, if this is against Penn State, he doesn't come out the game. Yeah, so, sure. you know, I, I don't think it's anything to worry about. Um, so, yeah, let, let, let's get into a little bit of analysis of this game. I guess we can start with Kyle McCord, just go a little bit deeper. His final stats, he ended up 13 of 18, 319 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. The interception was, you know, yeah, honestly just, move, you know. Yeah, he was trying to do too much. And honestly, for me personally, I can accept the interception yeah, I mean, when you're trying I, to do too much. I think we were up 38-7 to seven when he threw that. So yeah. He was just trying to make yeah. a play. Uh, that's obviously a play you want to coach out of him, but now you've got the film to do it, which is something that right. is the best part about this game. Yep, I, I, exactly. And I mean – we compare everything to Justin Fields, but Justin Fields didn't throw most a lot of interceptions. But most of the time he did, it was when he was trying to do too much. Um, not to not to start the, the the QB competition, but it wasn't like CJ Stroud's interception in the last game where he just made a really bad read and just made a terrible pass in the double coverage. He was trying to do too much. It didn't affect the outcome of the game. Whatever. Um, how'd you feel about McCord uh, overall? I, I thought you know for. A young guy making his first start, it started exactly like I thought it would. He was a little antsy. He was a little uh, – he was rushing, you could tell. And then he settled in, and I think they did a really good job of getting him comfortable. And then uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba for sure helped him get his confidence. He left that ball inside and a little underthrown, and, and Jigba just, you know, made it light work. He made it look super easy, which, I mean, that's what you got to do. I mean, just put it out there, and these receivers are going to make plays you put it in their area that's what McCord did well tonight and you know the two things that I took away from McCord were his pocket presence I mean unbelievable I think for a freshman and being the least athletic of the three main guys right now uh, I mean I expected that a little bit more from him and then his arm he's got a great arm like I think you can really coach that up and I think Day is gonna have a lot of fun with McCord if not you know next week in the future but I, I think I'm going to put this out there right now. I don't think he did enough to, like, make a competition. I think Day and Corey Dennis and the offensive staff know the competition he was against. And he did exactly what he should have done against Akron with the talent he has around him. Managed the game, yeah. made some big throws, and it was awesome. He handed it off to Travion Henderson well. And then when his opportunity was called, he made some huge strikes. I agree. I think the biggest thing to take away from this is – he didn't make any mistakes. 
there wasn't a whole lot of like false starts, bad snaps, that kind of stuff. That kind of happens when you 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 don't really know the tendency of the new quarterback. They call the calls are a little different. That kind of stuff didn't happen. Um, Ryan Day, who has been criticized this year for his coaching, as he should be in my opinion, made it very easy, which is not something he typically does for quarterbacks. Like Ryan Day is very much like, you're the starting quarterback, you need to be able to figure it out. He made it very easy for him. And so I won't say, I won't go as far to say the stats are misleading because he played well, but a lot of it was some big plays. I mean, 85 of the yards came from Emeka and Buka, you know? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people were asking how many yards they thought he was going to have. And I don't know if I actually tweeted it, but in my head the entire time, I was thinking over 300, and it was because I knew he was there was going to be a long pass. Yeah. And it happened. Emeka and Buka, 85 yards, a lot of run after catch, um, that kind of stuff. So he made, in my opinion, probably two tough throws, uh, like two, like, you know, Okay, yeah. that's a that's a real quarterback throws. One of them was dropped by Kate Stover, and the other one I can't remember exactly which one it is. To if I'm being honest with you, but there was like another like wild throw where I was like, okay, like you know that was actually a real quarterback throw. It wasn't you know a short pass with a whole bunch of yak. So I mean, I agree 100. percent I think he played well. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny. I mean, I made the joke pre-show, but like he was like three for six for like 85 yards and a touchdown, and one of them. Uh, he didn't complete a pass like downfield, so like yeah, that's not to like take away from some of the throws he did make. It's just to put into perspective like Ohio State had a plan and they executed the plan perfectly, and that's really what you want from your quarterback, and that's what we need to see from CJ when he gets back healthy or whoever takes the snaps. Because like at this point, you want CJ to rest his shoulder. You know he's good. You know he has a high ceiling. You know McCord's got a pretty high ceiling now, and like honestly. Knock on wood, if anything happened to those two, I don't feel like a completely lost season would happen with Jack Miller, and we haven't had that no. in forever. I think all three of them are talented. I think I'm looking at all around the country. I'd take all three of them over DJ Uangalele right now. I'd take all oh three of God. them over Spencer Rattler right now. So, like, it, it's like this is a good situation to be in, and everyone's fighting like, hey, McCord should be the starter. Hey, Stroud should be the starter. Let's, like, stop it. Like, we're in a good place. Yeah. I honestly think there's – there's one and a half quarterbacks I might take over the three that we have now. I may I might take Matt Corral. Yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, who's a quarterback at Ole Miss, right? Yep. And I don't know if I would take him over as CJ because I don't know if he fits this offense, but I may take him over the backups. Uh, Malik Jefferson. I think that's Malik, his first name. Malik team. Willis from Liberty? N- no. Maybe his first name's not Jefferson. Uh, uh, maybe his first name is not Malik. The quarterback from Arkansas. Oh, yeah. Cam Newton Jr. Yeah, he's good. I just don't – like, he couldn't be my number one option because I don't know if he fits in today's yeah. offense because they doesn't run the ball. But, like, those are maybe the only two quarterbacks in the country. And it's really one and a half because the only one I'm like, I would definitely take it because you have to include the coach in the offense, that kind of stuff, is maybe Matt Corral. I mean, <clears throat> there are not many quarterbacks in the country better than the ones that we have. And ours are freaking 19, yeah. like 17, 18, and 19 years old. Like, what are you talking and about? I, so, the game goes the same way if Stroud plays quarterback. The game probably yeah. goes a little more stressful with Jack Miller starting the whole game, but I think Ohio State still wins it very convincingly. So I think that's my biggest takeaway. We've got three capable quarterbacks in the room. Uh, Brian Day knows what he's doing. 
I trust him. I trust his voice more than I trust mine. So I'm just going to let it ride. That's where I'm at. I'm not picking any sides from here on out. No, I I agree 100%. I think it's – I think, you know, whoever he chooses, I'm confident. And that's the thing, right? A lot of – like, as an OSU fan and as a lot of people were saying, it's not even that they wanted CJ to to not be the quarterback. Although there were some that were – a lot of people just wanted to see what was behind him. And in my opinion, CJ ha- was better than, than Kyle McCord. Yeah. I-, I can see why he was a starter. But if CJ's shoulder is out, and as I've already mentioned, I care very much about his shoulder, and I hope they're doing right by him, I think we'll be very good with Jack Miller. And I think it would add some dimensions to the game, which we all we all knew that Jack that Kyle McCord was going to add some dimensions that none of the other quarterbacks yeah. could add because his arm is freaking ridiculous. People are like everyone talks about, um, you know, everyone talks about arm strength and that kind of stuff. And people who know who really know the quarterback said that Kyle McCord, his um, Arm strength rivals Dwayne Haskins and Cardell Jones. Yeah, he's got a can for an arm. I, I think. When you look at it, I think C.J. Stroud's probably the most polished with like all three aspects of the quarterback game. I think McCord's probably got the most natural arm talent, but I think Jack Miller's probably the best athlete of those three. And then just yeah. to put his name in here because everyone's going to ask, we, we talk about Quinn Ewers all the time. Uh, there's a reason he didn't play tonight, just what you guys all know that. Uh, it's because Ryan yeah. Day knows he's not ready. He's been saying it. So <laughs> I'm just going to put that – I'm putting that on the air. Again. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Uh, so we, we kind of talked about Jack Miller, but I think he played he, – he did what was asked. It was a blowout, so he wasn't going to get to throw a whole lot. Um, five, uh, five for eight, 66 yards, no touchdowns. He made some good throws, looked good in the pocket. Uh, he made a really good run, lowered his shoulder, which is what you do as a third-string quarterback. You, get you know what I'm saying? Like, you get if he was the starter <laughs> – yeah, if he was the starting quarterback, maybe maybe Ryan Day doesn't let him run that play. But he's the third string quarterback, so he gets to go, get everyone excited. He goes, he lowers his shoulder, and it's like, all right, yeah. Like, I mean, hey, if you're gonna be in here for you know a quarter and a half, that that's the kind of impact you want to make. Like, you want people to be like, hey, you see, you see Jack Miller lower his shoulder, run over that DB. Yeah. So I mean, in the off season, we're talking about it. Jack Miller's the hype guy. Like, he gets everybody excited, yeah. and that's exactly what he did. And you know, the running is a bigger aspect to his game than C.J. Stroud's game, and it's a bigger – it's for sure yeah. not even – Kyle McCord scrambled a few times. I'm like, all right, this dude, uh, he just needs to learn how to throw the ball away when he gets outside the pocket. That's kind of how I felt <laughs> about Kyle running. I mean, he's not he's not as bad as, like, Mac Jones. He has a little, a little bit, bit. Of to him. But, like, it's just not his game. Yeah, it's you not. And that's, like, it's not a problem. It's just an observation. Uh, no, yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, we're both pretty confident, happy with the, the quarterback room. Is there um, – The running back room was awesome as well. Uh, the receivers yeah. – I mean, the receivers did exactly what we expected. I think the offense as a whole just played a complete football game from start to finish. No, I agree 100%. So, before we uh, – you know, we, we switched to defense and started to talk about our favorite moments, moments play of the game, that kind of stuff. Let, let's wrap up the offense. I don't think any running back had more than 10 carries, but they all were good. Um, it, I, I I don't know what's going on with Mayan Williams. He was the third running back, and he played all the way into the fourth quarter, which means he's not one of the starters. I mean, Evan Pryor came in, needed a breather, and Mayan Williams went in. That's kind of weird that, you know, seeing that Mayan Williams was the number one running back in the beginning of the season, and now 
it seems like he's third. Um, Master T came in before him and got more carries, but the whole running back room looked good. Um, yeah. I I think it happened. I, I tweeted, I was like, I need to see this offense. Jack Miller, Evan Pryor, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Mbuka, and Jalen Ballard. I think all five of them were in the game at the same time. I think I got my wish. That was exciting. Ballard, Ekbuka, and Harrison Jr. all got their first catch. Evan Pryor got his offense right there. Yeah, I mean, come on now. (laughs) That's exciting. Uh, Evan Pryor got his first touchdown. I mean, it was a youth movement. And that's like – They looked good. The crazy part was is like we were seeing tweets at halftime where they're like, what do you do when all the young guys are the guys putting up all the points? And you're like – (laughs) it's like you put in more young guys like you put in you put in the you put in the guys that you're gonna redshirt yeah this was their game this was the redshirt game this is the one where you get everybody snaps as much as you can like within reason and they did that it was awesome but with with the running backs i I think you know we heard about mayan williams missing that game with sickness and then travion henderson obviously had the game of his life uh so I think when you talk about it, I think Mayan Williams is – I we talk about practice habits. I, we're not there. But I think it has to do because the week leading into Tulsa, they said Master Teague earned carries because how well he practiced. So yep. it's just got to be something going on behind the scenes that we just don't get to see every day. He's still going to be a vital part of the offense moving forward, I think. But I do think uh, it's Travion Henderson right now. I think the coaches trust Master Teague more right now. And then Mayan Williams is better than Master Teague, but they don't trust him as much. Yeah. And interestingly enough, he actually had the worst yards per carry today. It was a lowly 5.2, yeah. like a, a very, you know, a very awful 5.2 yards per carry. But everybody else had seven or higher. So, um, yeah, even Evan Pryor. I mean, I don't so. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. This was like the first time I think we've been on a show where we're like happy. We're just like genuinely like, yeah. this is fun. Like we're talking about all the good. And, and you should feel that way about against Akron. But honestly, like if this was a typical game, I wouldn't have been that happy. But there were so many young guys. Like it was actually genuinely exciting because it wasn't like it was this, you know, fourth year guy who we know is going to be a first round pick dominating Akron. I was like, no, we have this 18 year old kid who all we know is he has a five, like he lost his black stripe and he has a four star ranking dominating. And it's like, all right, the, the future is bright. Like, like we have some, some good players. So before we move to the defense offensively, was there anything that kind of stuck out to you, whether it's, whether it's older young guys or very young guys, play calling, any any last words on offense? Yeah, I mean, outside of the quarterbacks, I think if the offensive line could come out with that level of physicality from start to finish and just move people like they were capable of tonight, uh, this team's going to be extremely scary because Travion Henderson's doing yeah. it with some of the bare minimum. Like He's making plays out of nothing sometimes. So you start getting him these running lanes and he's not getting touched till 10 to 15 yards downfield – it's going to be absolutely horrifying for everybody else. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I, you know, we talked about the Big Ten being really good this year. Uh, Michigan State barely survived Nebraska, which maybe Nebraska is figuring it out because they had a close game with Michigan State and Oklahoma, but I'll believe that never. Um, 
Michigan barely survived Rutgers, and Iowa barely survived Colorado State. So it's like, hey, yeah, those teams are good. Uh, Penn State still looked good, although they played Villanova. So and whatever they struggled that means. Yeah, they did. So it's like, yeah, those teams look good, but it's like they're showing a little bit of weakness. They're, they're having and it's similar like, problems to what Ohio State's had, just in yeah. different places. Exactly. So it's like, hey, you know, I'm 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 still not ready to say Ohio State's going to blow everybody out and become the team that we're used to seeing, but I'm ready to like, but hey, calm down. It's a long season. They have time to they have time to fix it. And the other teams are showing a little bit of cracks in the foundation. And that, Ohio State's you know, showing a willingness. You shouldn't be so doom and gloom. Yeah, Ohio State's showing the willingness to fix their problems too. Like, yeah, which is big. I mean, Matt Barnes has called two good games. Yeah, he has. Yeah, honestly, like I mean, he has. He's mixed up the blitz. He, he's the more he coaches, the more he'll get comfortable doing it. So it's like this yeah. is good right now. Yep, he has a, a he has a chance to coach his way into a job. Because there will be defensive staff changes. So we're going to take a really quick break for commercial. We're going to come back. We're going to touch on the defense a little bit. There's a lot of, you know, really young guys flashing on defense. Um, and then we're going to get into our favorite moments, favorite players, and, and wrap up this wrap up this podcast like we always do. Um, so with that, we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Land Grant Holy Land's uh, Instant Recap Podcast. As always, I'm your host, uh, Jordan Williams, with my co-host, Christopher Rennie. Um, you're obviously, if you're listening to this, some of your favorite podcast voices, seeing that we are always in your feed doing multiple podcasts. Uh, so we talked about the offense, uh, a lot of good things. I feel like on defense, it was even more of a youth movement, so... You know, let's kind of start there. Defensively, they gave up seven seven uh, points, a couple of red zone stops, which hasn't happened. I saw. I don't know if you saw it, but I saw a stat that like Ohio State was one of the only teams that hadn't had a red zone stop at all yeah. coming into this game, uh, which is scary. Um, let's see, Akron had 157 yard, 153 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. They had uh, 76-yard rushing on 40 carries for 1.9 yards per carry, and they only scored one touchdown. So um, it's Akron, but <laughs> with this defense, you never know. Yeah. So how do you feel about the defense? What are some of your thoughts? So I, I know we, we have used two words for this, this defense the whole game that we wanted to see, effort and execution. And tonight we saw it in all facets. Like they did well in the run game. They generated a pass rush. They forced a lot of incompletions as defensive backs. Like they weren't just out there running around, kind of looking lost. Like this is the first game I felt like they lined up. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew their checks. They were playing good against motion. They were playing good against bunch coverages. Like all these little things that like you don't notice unless things are going wrong. They were doing well. And then on that, I think you had a lot of young players step up into key roles tonight with a lot of the older guys out, and they absolutely performed, and that's something you like. Ohio State forced turnovers. Like It was just a good all-around game, and you brought up that red zone stat. Like uh, One of the biggest drives, I think, in the game for me was when McCord threw the red zone, or the interception kind of near the red zone. 
and they ended up forcing a missed field goal. Like that was absolutely yeah. monumental. We had not seen that from the defense all year. Usually that happens immediately. Twenty-three yard touchdown. Oh yeah, immediately. So I, I think that's big. And here's the thing, right? With the way the Ohio State's defense has been playing, you don't have to be good. Like I like I'm not even gonna lie to you. I'm going to pay attention a little bit to Davis Brin for the rest of the season because I need to know if he's a better quarterback than I thought or if Ohio State just made him look great because he actually showed a lot of, like, really, like, intelligent things, moving in the pocket, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Uh, actually, something that's flashed on my TV, that McCord was the first true freshman with 300-yard passing game. Shout out to him. Good for him. Um, that's because true freshmen don't play at Ohio State. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, – you don't have to be good to get cheap yards against Ohio State. That's what they had showed us the first three games. Akron didn't get cheap yards. There was no, like, forgetting the running back and him picking up 25 yards because he ran a, a quick wheel and nobody was near him. Um, Akron quarterback's very athletic. There wasn't a whole lot of cheap yards on quarterback run. Even if he ran out of a sack, there was only a couple where he was picking the first down. A lot of it was getting him at three, four yards. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of cheap yards over the middle. And that's some of those things where it's like, sure, you can say it's Akron, whatever. But, like, you don't have to be good to exploit those things at Ohio State. Yeah. If Ohio State's linebackers can't defend the RPO, they're not going to defend the, R- the RPO against anyone. Where it's different is – Akron may get the RPO and get 10 yards, where Oregon was getting the RPO and getting 25 and scoring a touchdown, right? There was no, you know, three touchdowns on a a simple running, you know, a a pitch play to the outside. So, fine, it's Akron, whatever. But the defense, they looked good. And like you said, it looked like they understood the scheme. It looked like they understood their assignment. They aligned in the right places. There was some lowering of snaps. Um, you know, number 35, I don't even want to say his name. Number 35 didn't play that much uh, after 53 uh, snaps and no um, no tackles last game. Still great out as an I 80 mean, in PFF. <laughs> you know, because PFF is, he's going to have a 90 tackle grade because PFF knows all. He made one this week. That's his. Yeah. That's. Uh... I mean, you can't even do math it's, with it because he had zero. So I was going to say progress. that's a hundred times more, and I'm like, no, nope, that would still be zero. So yeah, no, yeah. So I mean, the defense was encouraging. Um, the one thing that I will say it's Akron for, and I keep saying this, is the pass rush. Um, Akron does not have a great offensive line, so I'm not going to predict that we have nine. You know what I mean? Nine sacks against anyone, but I think we saw the guys, at least in my opinion, I would I'd like to hear how you feel. I think we saw the guys who should be playing more. You know what I'm saying? I think we saw the guys yeah. who have the, the it factor. Tyleek Williams flashed again. Yeah. Haskell Garrett, fine. like he's been flashing the whole time. He just hasn't had sacks. It was a lot in the run game. Haskell Garrett flashed. Um, JTT, in my opinion, didn't really flash that much. I'm not sure what happened there. Um, Jack Sawyer made a couple of good plays. Uh, he finally got a sack, and it was like a it was like an interesting sack because you know he had a chance to like get his ankles broke because the quarterback was out of the pocket. He stayed at home and was like, "Nope, you're going down," which was a really good play because typically you don't want to see a DN one on one out of with the guy like that. One on one, 
So, you know, I think there was some some positive. Zach Harrison, who I'm still concerned about, did nothing. So it's like, I don't know what that means. But I, I think, you know, we found some guys who should be getting some more snaps, even if you want to say it's Akron. Um, how do you feel about the pass rush? Um, how do you uh, how do you feel about Tyler Williams, Haskell Gary, uh, those kind of players? Yeah, I, I think uh, Tyler Williams earned a lot of future playing time with his performance tonight. I think he was the one guy who stood out more than anybody, and he was not like a big name coming in. Uh, I think I heard Ryan Day talking about him earlier in the week, talking about how he came in overweight uh, by like 25, 30 pounds. He cut down on that. He's looking athletic again. He's a guy who's 310 pounds but could line up as a three-tech or an end, which is absolutely absurd if you need to understand, like, the flexibility of what a defensive end has to do. Like, they're asking him yeah. to do a lot, and he's doing everything they're asking of him, and that's going to earn yeah. him more playing time. One of his sacks, he was a defensive end, I think. Technically, he maybe he wasn't at the end because I think they had the DN standing up, but he wasn't playing a three-technique. He was in, like, a yeah. five. It was like a really which unique pressure, unique alignment we haven't seen. Just to throw that yeah. out there, but yeah, he was definitely lined up in the defensive end spot. And he was awesome. And then, you know, JTT didn't do all that much, but I know his presence was there. His presence was there. He made a lot of – he pushed his guy into the quarterback quite a few times, pressed the pocket in, collapsed it. Uh, you know, Jack Sawyer, I think I, – I can kind of see the difference on why JTT was getting snaps before him. I think – He's still a little ways away from physically imposing his will, but his speed and his rushing abilities there. And then mm-hmm. uh, interior, I think Jerron Cage, Antoine Jackson, I think that group actually showed out pretty well today. And that I'm going to say that one. It's accurate. Like their guards and their centers are not big. I think Haskell Garrett probably weighs as much as most of them. So they're bullying those guys regardless. And I think any undersized offensive lineman with Haskell Garrett in front of them is crying the night before the game. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly. But also, like, that's the thing, right? You want to see your good players no, dominate. And like, what did. did we say? What, what did we say? It was either before the Tulsa game or it was before the Akron game. We said it. What would Chase Young do in this game? He would have three sacks. And that's exactly what Haskell he Garrett did. He would have three sacks, and he wouldn't play after halftime. What happened? Good players make good plays. He had three sacks. He didn't play after halftime. I mean, you ha- like we've been critical. You have to give credit where credit is due, it, and they showed up. We're critical of Zach Harrison, and he didn't put anything really on the stat line, and he had two tackles. But I, I liked his energy today. I think that's something that you could build on. I think he played with a lot of effort, and you know he didn't put it on the stat sheet. But he, he him and Tyreek Smith are the best defensive ends until the sack point, until the tackle point. And then they just get lost. Yeah. They either get too excited. I just don't know how they just aren't good at finishing plays. Yeah, I don't I don't know. They almost remind me of NFL Jadavian Clowney. We know college Jadavian Clowney was amazing, but NFL Jadavian Clowney refuses to sack the quarterback. But, like, he always stops the run. He's always in the right place. He's pushing people back. He just doesn't get the He's sacks. He's always in hurries. Yeah, and, and so, like, maybe that's not enough for them both to still get drafted in the first round, but they're still going to get drafted. It's not enough for them to, you know, be um, remembered in Ohio State history because we had Chase Young, the Bosa's, and, you know, so on and so forth. 
But, you know, I, I think you do make a good point where it's like we should still give them some credit just because they're not getting the sacks doesn't mean that they're not playing well. Um, I mean, we're, we're kind of running a Plus, little like, long there, and it's accurate. There was not enough sacks to go around for this game. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there was a, there was multiple times where it was like three people were there and you just had to credit one person with the sack. Um, and I don't think college football – is as um, generous, willing, yeah, as generous with the half sacks like the NFL is. The NFL gives a half sack to everybody. You, like, you were, if you were close. If you were close, you get a half sack. So, um, hey, I mean, it, it was a good game. Um, Tyreek Williams led the league, led the team in tackles. Uh, he had six total tackles, two sacks. Uh, that doesn't typically happen for the linemen, but they played. This is one of the few games where I was like, okay, I'm fine with you playing a bunch of defensive guys. And Akron honestly just didn't have the ball that much. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So let's see. Is there anything before we get into some of our favorite moments? Is there anything that we haven't? Oh, Ronnie Rocket Hickman. Yeah, the haven't Rocket. touched on him. Is a yeah. very over. I, I don't like that nickname, but I'm gonna use it. You don't like it? I mean, come on. I need to see him in a Rocket Mortgage commercial. I mean, if he could get Ronnie Rocket. What's wrong with Ronnie Rocket? Okay, we don't have to talk about Friday. That's a Friday conversation. That's a buck off conversation. (laughs) Put it on the show plan for Friday. We're going to get into (laughs) it's Rutgers. We won't have too much to talk about. It's like, I just don't dig it. It's just. Uh, Yeah, okay. So. Okay, so let's see. Let's see what else. Did I mention anything? A bunch of players got a whole bunch of firsts. I think I already mentioned Ballard, Egbuka, and Harrison all got their first catch. Evan Pryor got his first touchdown. Jack Sawyer and Tyleek Miller got their first sack. Is it Miller? Tyleek Williams or Miller? Williams. No, I'm tripping. I don't know how I just wrote Miller. Yeah, Tyleek, Tyleek Williams, although he had two sacks. So, um, yeah, so let's get into our favorite moments. Um, number one, you're – uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Rocket Hickman pick six. That was, I mean, it was beautiful. Was That's like, two pick sixes in two games. It was like an optical illusion on the TV, and then all of a sudden Ronnie Hickman was running with the ball. And I'm like, wait, what the heck just happened? And then he scored. And I'm like, <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's like you watch the play and you're like, oh, there's a penalty, cool. And the next thing you know, like he has the ball. Yeah, and it's like, wait, is he about to score? Then, then you don't even care about the penalty because you know you're, you're, they're going to decline it. Like, I was just focused on a penalty and a punt, and boom, touchdown. Like, what? Yeah, that was an awesome play. I, I think, you know, that's two pick sixes two weeks in a row. So, like, yeah. you, know, you can't ask much more from the DBs in that. That's, I mean, Jesus, all we need is a freaking punt return or kickoff return for a touchdown this year. And it's like, card. Yeah, because for some reason, Ohio State just hasn't been getting those things. I mean, they're rare, but, like, We've been in a drought. <laughs> like, come on now. So, hey, uh, Ronnie Hickman has flashed. We already talked about it. He was leading the league. He was leading the team in tackles. He probably is still leading the, the team in tackles, even though he didn't have as many tackles today. Yeah. Uh, he didn't. He was another one of those guys who didn't play a whole lot. That's the thing. It, it's going to be really interesting when we get snap counts to see the guys who didn't play a lot. Yeah. Because that's going to showcase who the team trusts the most. I know off the top of – I don't know anything about the offensive line because it's hard to tell who's in there. But obviously, um, we know that Haskell – we know that Haskell Garrett, uh, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson didn't play too much into the second half. 
It didn't seem like Ronnie Hickman played a lot into the second half. It didn't seem like Denzel Burke played a lot into the second half. Is there anyone else that stuck out to you who was like, those are the guys that like you didn't yeah. Jackson Smith and Jigba, did he play into the second half? Uh, he Jigba? played the first couple series, and I think he played a couple with yeah. uh Miller as well. Uh Henderson didn't yeah, so he played Henderson didn't play in the second half, and he's a freshman. No, Henderson didn't play in the second half at all. You're right, Jackson Smith and Jigba played into the third, but he didn't play the fourth. Yeah, and snap counts are gonna be interesting because it's really gonna show you which players they, they trust the most. Um but Hickman is one of them because he didn't play a whole yeah. lot in the second half. He had that pick six, couple of plays. He was out of there. And he's starting to get more um, responsibilities, like as the yeah. deep safety, as the cover safety. He's doing more defensively, so like I, they're yep. starting to trust him more. Yeah, I mean, I really think our defense is, you know, it's it's showing good signs, and you're starting to see players that flash. Cody Simon got a pick, and if we're being honest, Cody Simon has been a liability. And pass yeah, coverage. it was a big play. Honestly. He's been great in the run. Good, you know, he's been good uh, with blitzing, stuff like that. But it gets a little bit lost in zone coverage because zone is a place where, like, it doesn't really matter that you run a 4-3 um, or whatever. So, but, I mean, that was a great play. He dropped. He saw it. He trusted his eyes. He reacted, broke on it. Got, I mean, wasn't pass interference. Bit, but Exactly, but he, he was, wasn't he was too there. early. That easily, easily could have been passing the field. I mean, like he could have just let the dude catch it and tackle, you know. And when you're in the middle of the field, you have to be right. Yeah. If you miss that and you don't tackle him, that's a big play. So he was right. Uh, so that was good. Uh, another one of my favorite moments: uh, Ameka's big catch and uh, big catch and run. I can't believe he didn't score a touchdown. But Fresh I mean, hey, one yeah, one catch for eighty five yards. Hey, that's my stat sheet for the day. I'm happy. <laughs> like, like, I'm good. I want the touchdown. That's my stat. Yeah, if, if if you're the wide receiver and Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba are in front of you, if one catch for 85 yards for a season is like, all right, hey, I, I show big playability. I'm ready for next year. Go ahead, redshirt me so I can be the guy for the next couple of years. Yeah, and it was fun because. It was such a well-designed play, and I, I'm going to look at this one again tomorrow when I'm doing my film review. I don't know if it's going to go in it, but I'm going to look at it for sure because it felt like it was a really long-developing one, and then he just caught like kind of a whole shot like kind of by himself, and then it was just him running. Yeah. It was awesome. No, it was it was actually really great, so I was really happy about that. And then, this was in the my opinion, this was the best play. Yeah, Garrett Wilson's stiff arm. Like what? He threw a grown man, or I—I'm not gonna say grown. He threw a man. Yeah, like he—he—he he, he threw a man, and that's the thing. It's like Garrett Wilson gets talked about, like his slight frame, he's skinny, whatever. He didn't play that like way. Like a buck eighty-five, I mean, soaking wet, and he just threw a dude. Like and and didn't slow down, running full speed, just grabbed him and just like, and like I like if you didn't watch it, you have to find this clip. Because it wasn't like a stiff arm and he, you know, got off. Like, he legitimately threw a whole grown man. The best comparison was Marshawn Lynch's against the Saints in the playoffs when he threw the dude. Yeah. That's exactly what it looked like. Yeah. So, So Garrett Wilson's Marshawn Lynch confirmed. Like, I mean, hey, that's a Hall of Famer right there. Beast mode. Just just put it there. Beast mode. So, I mean, yeah, hey. You have your wide receiver doing that. What more could you want? But that's but that goes to our point. There was effort. Yeah, there was pride. Stuff. 
You can't have more effort than throwing another grown man. Exactly. And in today's college football, I'm going to make myself sound old when wide receivers love to step out of bounds. For him to fight for extra yards, stiff arm and throw a whole a grown man and just against again, he won't do it against like a, he, he won't do that against like a better team because those guys are a little bit stronger. But I still love to see it. Yeah, like come on, now. like the effort was there. Like that's what you want to see. Like you need that type of energy. It. So exactly, perfect way to say. It. So uh, did I, is there any? Did you have any moments that we didn't include? You got mine with Garrett's. Uh, I like Jack Miller dropping the hammer. That was one of my favorite moments. And then all of Ty Lake Williams' sack. Anytime that guy does something, yeah. I, I just feel like it's absolutely uh, energetic. He, he caught a body. Like, he murdered yeah. that kid on his sack. And then Ja'Kalen Johnson, I know we kind of I, – I, I don't think he should have taunted because you're up 52 points. But no, I don't care. It was his first dude. tackle. He smoked it was his that first. <laughs> like, like, come on, like it. It was his I first understand tackle. The he flag, didn't care about the score. The taunt was awesome. Like, I, you get a flex yeah. muscle when you do that. Like, I, the refs doing it because they're. He's like, come on, dude. You're up. You're up fifty-two points. Like, give this kid a break. He he's getting bullied. He doesn't care. This the is, team is at fifty-two points. He hasn't played a snap all season. Yeah, he's like, this is my moment. He smoked the dude. That was my. That's like. That's why I loved it. I'm like, you know, I get the ref throwing the flag. I get him taunting. I'm like, I would have done the same thing. Like, this is just yeah. – it was just a funny play. It was college football. No, for sure, for sure. Um, and the one thing about Tyleek Williams, who is – as we transition to our players of the game, he's one of them. He doesn't do anything half speed. It's like every time he hits someone, he murders crazy, them. dude. Like, every time he hits them, he's like – you're like, oh – like it's always a big. He hit. is trying to hit Every people time. so they don't get up, and that is old school. He crushes them. It is, it, and honestly, Haskell Garrett's the same way. Like when Haskell Garrett, like especially in the run game, when Haskell Garrett hits you, he levels. You. Yeah. So, but I think Tyler Williams has a little bit more of a little it fact. Maybe it's because he's bigger. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it feels like when he hits, it, it really hurts. This guy's so. as big as most nose tackles, and he's <laughs> able to play defensive end. Yeah, that's that's just stupid. That's just stupid. All right, so we talked about it. Three players of the game. Tyreek Williams overall. Haskell Garrett, definitely player of the game in the first half. He was dominant. And then on offense, you have to give it to Kyle McCord. I mean, he did have 300 yards, two touchdowns. There wasn't a major drop off. Um, he he figured it out after the first after the first couple of series. Um, and he, I mean, he led to a dominant win, which is what you want your quarterback yeah. to do. Uh, it, anybody I forgot? Uh, no complaints there. I mean, Travion Henderson is the player of the year, so we don't really need to give him too much credit yeah. this game, even though 11 carries, 90-something yards, or 8 carries, 90-something yards. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was great. Yeah. We already gave Hickman his love, and then outside of that, I think the defense was really just a unit effort, which is something we needed to see. So, uh, honestly, if I'm grading out champions defensively, I'm giving it the whole defense. Honestly, and that's the thing. Speaking of champions, there should be a lot. <laughs> like, there should be a lot of people. And it's accurate. So, like, you expect yeah. this is a game where everyone gets to be a champion or should be yeah. a champion. But they're also sure. going to grade it harder. So, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't. Unless I missed something, I don't think there was any injuries that kept people out of the game. Uh, Simon, there was a couple. He came out at halftime with not... his injury. I, I think that'll be something to follow. Uh, oh, I'm, I must have missed that. Do you know what happened? He just hit the guy in the backfield and then came off like holding his arm. So could be it was probably just a shoulder stinger, and then they just took him out because like why risk it when you're up thirty two points? 
Yeah, exactly. All right, so Simon is definitely someone to pay attention to. Um, we already talked about Pope, but something also to pay attention to just to see how quickly he uh, gets into the transfer portal. I love the way you put it in the notes, too. Uh, it's it's <laughs> written injury slash suspension slash et cetera. Bullet point, Pope quit team at half. <laughs> Like gotta put it there somewhere. Uh, before we before we end uh, with our what's next, any any final thoughts on the win? Uh, I think Ohio State played great today. I think you expect them to do that against Akron. I I was like actually pretty pleasantly surprised that they only gave up seven points. I kind of thought it would be like a fifty nine to twenty game, uh, just because I thought in the second half when the starters came out we might let up a little bit. But no, they kept the foot on the gas, and that's that's something that I don't think would have happened three weeks ago. So that's the no, biggest thing. Uh, I'm confident in the quarterbacks. I'm confident in the defense moving forward. I'm back to thinking they're going to be a top 25 pass defense if the first three games didn't mess it up too much. And then, uh, yeah, uh, this is we're going to have some fun next week talking about the first real like, – Minnesota happened, but the conference play really starts now. Yep. I mean, I think you said it perfectly. I don't have anything else to say. Our editor is going to be mad that we spent an hour on Akron, but we had a lot to talk about. Uh, I mean, it was it, the youth. My last thing is the youth movement is great. Um, there's a lot of good players, and good players flash early. So I'm going to say, so next year, the year after, we may not see some of these players. Some of these players may redshirt. It's the fourth game in. We may not see them a bunch in conference play. But just remember, good players flash early, yeah. and there's a lot of good young players on this team. So what's next? Um, we have three and one records next week at three thirty p.m. on Big Ten Network. We lost to Michigan uh, by just, seven, so we get a real yeah, barometer on where we're at against the rival. Yeah, that is, that is for sure. So it'll be an interesting game. Rutgers is one of those teams where if you're not on your game, it can be ugly. This game could either be a blowout or it could be like the Minnesota game. Yeah, and I think. Depending on how this game ends up, we're really going to uh, really gonna we're gonna have a better idea of this team because a good Ohio State team is gonna beat Rutgers by twenty one plus. Um, a struggling Ohio State team, which we have been, may only beat them by ten. So it, it's not a game that I should expect us to lose, but I think it's another barometer to showcase where we're at in this you know reloading period. One hundred percent. And with that, thank you for listening to our instant recap. Um, we will be back. You can follow me on Twitter at JordanW3D0. Uh, Chris, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Chris Rennie CFB, and then you can find uh, our other podcast, Buck Off, at Buck Off Pod. And this one you can just find in the feed every single time after a game without fail. Yep, and we'll talk to you next week. Go Bucks. Go Bucks.